0: it to all day, you know what's up, welcome to Birdland, Birdland. Win or lose, we bringing it to you always, Always. Mm -hmm. you know what's up, welcome to Birdland, orange or black, we rebuild the pack, no matter where we at, you know we coming back, section 336, we on this, so tune in, in. you know what's up, welcome to Birdland, yeah, yeah, welcome to Birdland, you know what's up, Mm -hmm. welcome to Birdland, Birdland. now, here
1: come the boys from section Mm 3. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Baltimore sports fans of all ages, welcome to Section 336, Next Generation of Baltimore Sports Talk. I am your endearingly stuttering host, Matt Sroka. As always, I'm joined by the button lover, Josh Sroka. Hey, Matt, your voice does sound a little weird today. I don't know what's going on. You want me to go back to number
2: three? Sure, go back to number three. Okay. Let's go let's to number three. We'll see what changed um, while you took your two weeks off work on your uh, book report
1: three going you struggling with that mic? what's well, in the back the little nick in the back i got it there's number three again all right. all right
2: all right gotcha i can hear you fine
1: okay all right i mean i can play with the numbers some more if you want no it's back cool and forth. all right we'll go with number three it's, it sounds like you're doing it from the bathroom but that's all right okay okay i'm gonna try number two there, there's number no, two if you're in the
2: bathroom, no number two
1: no th- i'm doing number two right now
2: all right number two is worse
1: okay and, and, go and, go and go this one is one. number
2: one is that worse too go to number three stick with number three okay. i'm at number three all right there we go now we can do the show all
1: right thanks for sticking with us
2: as we counted to three
1: i'm upstairs maybe i usually do it downstairs i thought this would be closer to the router i don't know if that makes internet better
2: uh, not if you use the wire I gave you.
1: I do. I got the wire. I'm, ho- I'm hooked up. I got the
2: yeah. wire. The, then you don't have to be closer because right. you go the same distance over the wire. All right. But it's all right. No problem. I know you took two weeks off. you it's, you got to adjust to podcasting again.
1: Well, you know, I had to come back. I had to come back for a few reasons. I had to come back specifically for three reasons. The The first reason I had to come back on this podcast immediately I was thinking about taking longer, um, but I had to get back on it e- immediately for three reasons. Um, and, and 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 by the way, Josh, poo poo is my book report. What what I'm working on is a doctoral dissertation. One of the greatest achievements of my life. Okay, this is right up there with having a, a baby. Uh, it's right up there with winning fantasy football. Okay, it's right up there with figuring out how how to get the cart at all these. Like it is one of the greatest things I've ever done. And to dismiss, I've been working on this thing for years. Um, and so, and I meet with my committee on Wednesday to discuss what I've been doing for the past year. Um, and, and by that, what I've been doing the, for the past two weeks, really. <laughs> so, right. that's so, so it's, it's a, and this is gonna change my existence, my entire life. So, just dismiss it as a book report is <sighs> insulting. And what's more, and which one is more fun to talk about?
2: To call it a book report, to call it uh, your master's, or to go through a dissertation that's going to change your life, so you can apply to a bunch of liberal arts schools and move into mid, Middle America. Yeah, and go live on a farm.
1: Yeah, the latter, and work my uh-huh. way up the academic realm, so I can get woke each step of the way and and, and, okay. and rise the academic ranks. I was going to say,
2: I was, I was listening to something today. Are you sure you
1: are woke enough for a college campus? Mm. Well, uh, no. I, I, I'm going to need to be, I'm going to need to fit in. I'm already practicing in the, in the interview um, uh, how, how to respond appropriately to well, I, fit in with woke culture.
2: Well, the first thing I would say is at the meeting, at your interview, I would say, excuse me, I'm in the middle of menstruating.
1: Oh, is that is that true? Would that give
2: me an advantage? Well, yeah, because men can do that in what culture. Okay, I'll try that, that, Josh. An advantage.
1: Yeah, that, that's great advice, Josh. <laughs> I, I you, you can coach me through this whole process. Thank I'll you. you. I'll help you all out with it. No, but no, the three reasons I came back was was and, and I shouldn't be working on my dissertation even right now, but I came back. The first reason is what I heard last week between you and Ryan was absolutely disgusting. And so sure. I had I had to come on here and uh and and what was Ryan did a great job filling in for you. No, it was disgusting. It was it was a complete and total love fest between you guys agreeing even when josh would say outrageous things ryan would agree and ryan would say something josh would agree and they were just um mmm, you know mmm. they just loved each other so much it was disgusting
2: i like doing podcasts with you because i immediately forget the podcast afterwards or i like when you're not around because you listen and then you let it annoy you for a week straight until you can I, talk about it
1: yeah i really hate our podcast when i'm not on it i don't know why i listen to it, it just makes me angry I just get so angry listening to it Guys, talk about Trevor Bauer. That just makes me so angry. Want to throw something? Would be there. a lot of fun to have him oh. ball. Um, but that's the first reason. The, the The second reason is I just had to come on here, and these two words make me laugh so much. The past day, the past twelve hours, I've been laughing so much at the two words. Do you know what the two words are, Josh? No, I, I
2: don't know where you're going with this.
1: <laughs> I like that, Tom Brady. I just laughed and laughed and laughed at that game had last night. I watched that game, and I just laughed. Every time I looked at the game, Tom Brady was pouting on the sidelines, and I was just laughing the whole time. That was one of the greatest games, non-Raven games, I've ever seen in my life. That was hilarious. Do you see him tick that Antonio Brown already, <laughs> game one? Yeah, well, they tried so hard to hook up with them, and they were, weren't on the same page at all. Right. They need to go back in their bedroom and work on some more routes together. Or go in their backyard and work with some more routes to no, and it and it's right
2: after Brady was able to make like the smug comments about uh about the Patriots and about where they were compared to where the Bucks were this year. So it was perfect timing.
1: Yeah, well, and everybody was announcing that Tampa Bay was the team to beat in the NFC. Uh, uh, they were were going into last night. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and 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 they just got. It was just embarrassing. It was absolutely embarrassing. That boy, T- Taysom Hill, uh, was, was running over everybody. It was just, it was just great. Um, no. I also liked how you said uh, Fernando Tatis in the last podcast when it's Tatis, but that was funny too. Yeah, yeah
2: well, I always say. I, always I, was, say, I thought no.
1: Ryan would correct you, but Ryan, see, Ryan, he was too much of a love fest. Ryan yeah. wouldn't even correct you when you said Tatis uh, incorrectly. He just, and he also let you say soldier.
2: Like, he just let yeah, you go. You know. Yeah, That's why I really wanted you to be on the podcast last week, just to talk about soldier.
1: Yeah. I, I have that tweet saved, by the way. Of course you do. Um, I saved that because I know, I knew the moment it was sent, it's deleted. So I, I, I said, once John Harbaugh sees this, yeah. I, I saved yeah. that. Or he would go the way that, I mean, that's what happened to Earl Thomas. Saved that way. But, but real post on Instagram, but You know, real quick, and I'll share with you my third reason I came on here. Okay. But Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, can I just say, um, not only because I drafted him in fantasy football, partly because of that, but all the workout videos in the offseason of Marquise Brown and all the big plays he had last year, to me, one of the bigger storylines with the Ravens that no one's talking about is that Marquise Brown has not been an impact player this year thus far. The whole point of his offseason
2: workouts is he was supposed to get bigger and be able to push off and get open more.
1: While still maintaining that quickness and speed right. that allowed him to have big plays last year. And it just At, it hasn't happened. Right. And all I can – there's a lot of – Lamar's taken a lot of
2: uh, people complaining about Lamar because he likes to throw just short inside. It doesn't seem like he's taking the shots downfield. Doesn't go downfield. Doesn't go outside the numbers. But I, as someone who does not watch the all twenty-two or all forty-two, whatever they call the overhead shot uh, of the game, I don't know. I have to assume, and this is my comment about
1: Brown last week: is get
2: open and you'll get the ball.
1: Yeah, you were saying the same thing about Joe Flacco for ten years, why those five-yard passes? I don't know what maybe. Maybe so. I don't
2: know. But all I got to say is whenever a receiver complains, that's always my answer is if you get open, they'll get the ball to you.
1: Yeah. Do you assume it's, it's the, the receiver's fault?
2: It. I think it's the fact that we have no other good receivers. So the game plan is shut down Marquise Brown. But he was making big plays last year. You they just have targeted him more? Yeah. I think they've targeted him more. And they're hitting him. And I don't know. But well, I don't. If he keeps the like this, he caught a couple balls on Sunday. Yeah, they took but care no, of him. But no, but no big plays. No, I wouldn't pick him for my fantasy team. Me, Last me year, either. Last me either. year, you, you'd be better off going with Des Bryant. Yeah, I did. I did play Des Bryant. <laughs> exactly. everyone else played well enough that I didn't blow it by playing Des Bryant.
1: Hey, I, I, I had Tom Braden still won.
2: So That was pretty impressive. Yeah. What my reason for taking Dez Bryant? was, like, this team seems to like to get different people touchdowns. And I was like, oh, well, they're going to want to get Dez a touchdown to, like, welcome him back to the NFL or whatever. I didn't realize that he really sucks.
1: But what – Josh, shut up. It was one game. But what – and he might suck. It's been a while. But what world does – are we living in where Nick Boyle and Willie Sneed are the Ravens' best receivers? Yeah. They're, they're not the Ravens' best receivers, but I guess yeah, they're really catching not. the most balls.
2: They're not. It was weird. It's weird. Yeah. Well, and it's got to be because other guys like Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown are are, taking, are getting more coverage.
1: Oh, see, I would say because Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews are running more than five yards, yes. whereas Andrews. And and dumps it. I can mean, dump it. Yeah, as, as Boyle and Sneed do the five-yard routes, and that's what Lamar Jackson likes nowadays.
2: Yeah, I can see that as well.
1: Um, okay, the third reason I had to come on here, because I saw this article. I saw this news break, and, I, and I, was in, I was so shocked. I was so shocked that I felt like I was living in bizarro world, and I had to just come in here and talk about it. I don't know if you saw this, Josh. I'm going right. to read this article. Okay. Just a little paragraph. This is from MLBTradeRumors.com. I'm familiar. Yeah. He, he, here it is. It says, Kevin Galsman, did you see this, Josh? No. Ke- Kevin Galsman has until November 11th to decide whether to accept the qualifying offer he was issued by the Giants. Should he accept he'll return to San Francisco on a one-year $18.9 million deal? I wish I could beat Kevin
2: Galsman. What is that, Josh? It's not preserved $18.9 million. Is
1: that a real thing? I guess so. Is that the going rate for a pitcher right now? Two years ago, he had a year over five. He was bouncing from Atlanta to Cincinnati to San Francisco. Last year, he did pitch well. He pitched better at a year around four for 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 the Giants. But man, Kevin Gossman, nineteen million dollars for a year. If I'm Kevin Gossman, I'm not waiting until November 11th. Like I'm that that same day they issued to me. I'm like running, I'm running to the stadium and signing that baby. Man, I was just really surprised by that.
2: Yeah, and I guess, especially coming off this COVID year, you want to take that deal. There's not going
1: to be anything better than that out on the market. Yeah. I mean, you got a bunch of guys like Wong from St. Louis, Brad Hand from Cleveland, who are like getting cut because their arbitration number's too high. Um, and then you're offering Kevin Gossman 19 million dollars? I was like. I had to come on here to just to say that because I couldn't believe it. Can we, I thought I'm we taking crazy
2: pills outside of Alex Cobb. Does the rest of our uh, pitching staff uh, rotation even add up to 19 million? I don't think it does.
1: Right? Oh no way! Yeah. Not, not 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 even close. I don't know who we're even paying this year to pitch. Yeah. So yes. that's a weird one. I don't think Gosman. No,
2: I don't think Gosman <laughs> has earned 19 million. Yeah, but he'll, he'll accept that, baby. That, yeah, I'd be shocked if he doesn't accept it. You know, I read an interesting article, and I wanted to do more research before talking about it on here.
1: That so, never stopped you before, Josh. Go I know, ahead.
2: I know. <laughs> so I, but I, I, I want this one I thought would be a better, like, we'll talk about this late November, December, when nothing else is going on. But it, it's about how, like, you know, how we talked a few weeks ago about uh, sports TV view and viewership was all down. Right. across the board for all sports and how ESPN is struggling and Disney wants to kind of either sell or shut down ESPN.
1: Yeah. I saw some layoffs are doing ESPN yeah, too. Yeah. yeah.
2: And they're, they're talking about, so anyway, the news I was reading was about how because of ESPN going away because of people leaving cable, and that's hurting revenue for ESPN, that that's going to kill these big TV contracts for sports. And suddenly we might start to see some of these sports uh, giant contracts not be worth as much as they are currently. And I, I wanna, and, and that sports might need to realign and not pay someone $40 million a year because they won't be able to afford to because the TV revenue isn't what it used to be.
1: Yeah, I mean that makes sense. I mean, you, 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 you and I have been off the Masson, uh, the Masson bo- bottle for a while now, and it makes sense that other people are going away, uh, right. are going that way. Yeah, I pay MLB TV, but but that money doesn't yeah. go directly to the Orioles, right?
2: Right, and I don't, and I bet that Masson pays more because I pay like a hundred bucks a year. I bet Masson's probably like five dollars per person that has verizon you know like because you don't have they they work it in where it's just part of your package and it's like maybe three bucks for but it's for every comcast subscriber then pays so that pays way better than the certain number of fans buying the mlb ticket
1: oh no no doubt so i think so i think you're right that there's money to to be made with streaming but not as much as these big tv deals Uh, and so you're right um Maybe that will settle this dispute between the Nationals and the Orioles when it's not worth any money anymore.
2: Yeah, I don't know. And I don't know how it's going to really affect it because sports or football specifically, they've got some really lucrative deals with CBS and Fox. And CBS and Fox aren't going anywhere for a while. But, uh, but they are renegotiating the NFL ticket where it sounds like that might be leaving TV once again. So that's going to affect uh, – TV pays a ton of money for the NFL ticket, exclusivity, and that's probably going to end up going to, like, Yahoo or Amazon or someone who's not going to want to pay as much as TV pays. So it's interesting. You
1: know, yeah. and uh, I mean, football is just a whole different animal, right, with only playing 16 games and only well, – it's just not like baseball where it's, it's every day. And that's why I want to do a little research because baseball is different because every
2: team has their own market. So, like, Masson really depends on how, like, basically depends on Comcast. The Orioles don't get much revenue from ESPN Baseball right. or Baseball. They get their money locally, and I don't know how that landscape is going to end up shifting and how you handle that. Yeah. But it's interesting to see where sports might be years from now, where right now we've got a lot of people who are kind of out of touch because they're getting millions of dollars and you can't really relate to them and you think of guys like uh jim palmer and stuff that got paid well but could still relate to like common people and we know jim palmer has is a little sensitive about the amount of money (laughs) now i would be too if i was him i I totally understand it i'm not saying it's wrong but i wonder if we're going to move back to that type of landscape
1: yeah, yeah, I think, and because you, you just have a lot of factors at work. Because you do have that factor at work, and you also have what you're seeing: all these guys in their 30s and late 20s get cut, who are just good players. When you can replace those good players with just cheaper players, so I think like teams have got a lot smarter about where they spend their money. Like we'll pay for an elite player, but we're not paying for a good player. We'll replace a good player with a guy from our minors who can be almost as good and cost no money. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, I think it's a combination of teams being smarter about it. um, uh, Smarter management that's in the business of not just winning, but making money. And then plus maybe the sport as a whole making less money because yeah, there's no thing set in stone that baseball has to continue to make more and more money every year and that owners have to make more and more money every year, and that salaries go up every, every year, every year. Like, there's no rule that that happens. Like, if right. less people watch, they'll make less money.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and that it's like, it's the lands- it's a change in landscape that has been happening with television and radio and stuff for the past few years, and now it feels like it's kind of catching up to sports. Like, we're seeing, like, even with election stuff, I found that I was watching more, like, internet programming rather than cable news And leading up to it, and like election night, instead of watching CNN, I watched Joe Rogan. So I think it kind of you're seeing a change in landscapes in news and media, and we've saw seen it years ago with talk radio has moved towards podcasts. Now we've got more news and stuff moving to internet. I think it's only fitting that sports is is kind of right there in line as we've seen more and more sports talk shows move to the internet. That sports itself will soon move as well.
1: Yep. Uh, Yeah, I I agree. I think it's a matter of time. And we'll see what effects it has on the finances of of baseball teams. That's a good point.
2: I also wonder, so I I also wonder, and it's, as technology gets better and entertainment is different, we've got listeners that listen to Section 336. We just started this in my basement, whatever, like seven, eight years ago. Just friends talking. And we got a lot of people who like it, and we're thankful for all of them that listens. It makes me wonder if we're going to see some of that in sports, kind of like the backyard wrestling and stuff, but that come to the internet, and then you start seeing your entertainment dollars go towards stuff like that, and not these big professional leagues, but if you can have amateur leagues that are covered as well as professional leagues, maybe you end up watching them as well. Maybe you don't need the big club. If minor league baseball could get their act together and get good cameras and good broadcasters, you could have a lot of excitement about minor league baseball streaming on the internet.
1: Yeah, I mean, and the other argument people have been talking about, Now you hear like the minor leagues might be restructuring and getting smaller. And that seems uh, inevitable uh, as well. And you wonder if maybe even outside of the the minor minor leagues, is there room for an independent baseball league in some of these towns which are good minor league baseball towns like Frederick, for example, could could there be an independent baseball league that could show up there? And think of like the big three uh, basketball league. That started
2: up a few years ago. I don't think it went anywhere.
1: No, not. Su- I mean, and the NFL has done this a bunch too, right? With the XFLs and other stuff, and yeah. they've never but, been successful.
2: But the problem is, they always put big budgets into them, and it's always a lot of money dumped into it to get on the t- on TV and everything and TV contracts. What if you took something like football? Takes a lot of money because of injuries and padding and gear. But but basketball, you could easily do a big three league at a college and broadcast it looking really good, make it like the end one videos when we were kids growing up. And that would be popular on the internet.
1: Yeah. I mean, during the pandemic, was it Trevor Bauer or someone else who started these uh, base backyard baseball games yeah, and streamed them watch, on it. The did you watch any? Uh, but, I watched, I, I watched about 10 minutes of one of them. It was horrible. It was one guy with
2: an iPhone. Yeah. broadcasting it. You've got to do better than that. You've got okay, to so not
1: high budget, but not just one guy with an iPhone.
2: Right, right. You gotta make it look like it's professional enough. There you go. So I like, yeah, um Gigi watches that uh News Max or whatever, which is like an internet news channel.
1: Okay, it, never heard of it.
2: Okay. It's supposed to be like more right leaning than Fox News or Anyway, she told me to check it out I turned it on and it looked like you and I Doing the news in the basement It was Mm -hmm. not professional enough, so I shut it off I said, I can't watch anything like that um, That that looks amateurish So you got to make it good enough And it's got to look professional And it's got to look like you put a lot of work And effort into it And then It's it's got a chance to kind of change A little bit of this landscape of sports
1: Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think whatever the case may be, I think sports should be concerned. You can blame the pandemic. You can blame these other things, the election. But like viewership is going down and that should be a concern across the board of sports. And I think the response is to not be stubborn about it, but to be creative and kind of embrace it and, and see what you can do to to keep the game interesting and engaging for fans. Right. And that's what baseball has tried to do. And they tried to do it with this whole shortening,
2: trying to shorten up the games and stuff. I don't think we I don't think it's a shortening the games by five minutes problem that they need to solve. But they're at least considering how do we make baseball relevant in 2020, 2021.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I mean a lot of people talked about it. I think it's true it's the pace of play that's the issue, not the overall length of the game. Um but I was Josh, I wanted to talk about a couple of things here that I've just been hearing over the past two weeks that have annoyed the heck out of me. Yeah, I don't know how we got on this topic, so go ahead. Well, one, well, one is tangentially related. This okay. is, p- the people are talking about the next, next year, the next season, Okay. Uh, and, and they're assuming that it's going to be some shortened version of the major baseball season. But okay. I think watching other sports play and watching what happened last year with baseball, why would it not be a 162-game season next year?
2: It will be a full season. Yeah, it be a
1: full season, right?
2: Yeah, if you notice, college basketball just announced they're doing a full season. Yeah. And it's launching in like three weeks. And no one is, none of this woke crowd is freaking out on saying, how can you have COVID? We've got the, today they said that vaccine tested well and like 90% effective. And so that's great. So no, we'll move on. And we're all going to have the, uh, get the COVID shot. And we're going to have baseball at the beginning of April. Like we normally do with fans in this cra- in the crowd.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's. I mean, I think there's if there's a vaccine, there's definitely fans in the stands. Um, and without a vaccine, I think there's still fans. There's still some fans. And there might not be all the fans, but there's still some fans. Yeah. No,
2: I mean, we're seeing the Ravens have fans at games now. Yep, the, the Colts play indoors, and they had fans at the game on Sunday.
1: Yep.
2: So yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know. There's no reason to say that the season's going to be shortened or anything. I think we're going to have a normal spring training, a normal baseball season.
1: Yeah, I but mean, I, I, think, have... go ahead. I think right now we're looking at the, the the peak of of COVID, right? This is the surge, right? And so this is at its worst point. And I think go, like going into, no, uh, if you want to say December and January, it's going to be at its worst from what people are saying. And these sports are still continuing to play. Right. The NFL has been shut down. No, um, college, college football, football hasn't been right. shut down.
2: Right. And they've had little bumps in the roads, but they navigate around it. Yeah. And, I mean, it's like we said, like I said before, it's how I have to handle my workplace. We have to work. People want us to work. You want to build new homes. You want us in your homes. You. So we have to go and work and just work and be careful and live our lives and not just wait things out. Wow. And I Sports is learning that.
1: Well, and with sports, there's just so much money involved for everybody. So that's a strong incentive to even play through, even if it's not ideal. Right. Now, that's assuming that
2: there's no lockdown by President Biden. The problem, part of the problem, part of the fear, I think, is that he hasn't said his coronavirus plan, except that he would listen to the experts. Yeah. So if something happens in January, February, March, that could affect if we have more lockdowns would then affect baseball.
1: Right. Right. But at this point, I mean, I think sports are so powerful that I would find a hard time. I mean, you remember going all the way back to the NBA when it first shut down um, and Trump shut down the NBA. Oh, wait a minute. No, that's not what happened. The NBA shut themselves down. And so I think if the sports shut down, I think it'd be because they decide I would be shocked if someone else came in and told sports what they're doing. They're just too powerful.
2: Well, I mean, football did not have fans in the stands until the governor and mayors said they were allowed to.
1: Yeah, the mayor's power tripping. Yeah, it's, it's right. It's right. With, sta- with fans, sure. So you got to figure
2: that out. Yeah. Um, and, and basketball went to Florida because that governor allowed it. Yeah. So you, you have to, whether you like it or not, you got to play among the rules of the states.
1: Yeah, but I'm expecting a 162-game full season next year. I don't see any reason for
2: us to not have a 162-game season.
1: I guess COVID would be a reason, but I'm not expecting. I mean, the
2: fact that we just came off, what, a 60-game season would be a yeah. reason. No, I think next season will be a full season, and it's perfect timing for the, uh, for the Orioles. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, last season was a great season to build on. I'm really curious to see. Are you surprised by these contracts that are like no big players are being signed? It's a bunch of little guys being signed here and there by different teams. A lot of minor league contracts.
1: Well, there's not a lot of certainty with what even next year looks like, um, and, and we're convinced that there's going to be 162 game season, and I'm convinced of it. But there's you're right, but there's no guarantee that there will be a 162 game season. There's no guarantee there'll be fans in the stands, and all that's going to impact how much money the teams make. And so I think there's just a lot of, and not not to mention, you know, the the CBA is running out uh, after this year, and so. Now, I heard like those long term contracts. There's just a lot of questions I, I feel at this point.
2: Now, I heard they're, try, they're talking about negotiating the CBA to push it off one year because of all the financial uncertainty, which seems to make a lot of sense.
1: Right, until you know where you're standing. Yeah.
2: Especially coming off this year of losing revenues across the board, TV viewership down, and all that. Um, I am interested to see, it sounds like in order to get DH in the National League, that they're gonna that baseball is negotiating with. Hey, and you give us the DH and we'll give you expanded playoffs. So we might have both of those next year. It's pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I hate the expanded playoffs, but I'm I'm okay with the DH. I was I, DH. I, I was I was surprised. You know, going back a couple of weeks ago, I was surprised there was so much pushback and. Or so not not pushback, but there was so much uncertainty from fans about the Jose Iglesias thing. Like the dude was was making set to make three point five million dollars, and a lot of fans were nervous that the Orioles wouldn't pick it up. And I was not nervous at all. Pick up ever? Well, and 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 and, and my and my reasoning was this: Elias, if Elias is anything, he's consistent. He's been consistent from day one. Yes. Why did we bring Iglesias last year? Because he was cheap. Because he was cheap, and he played a position where we didn't have anybody else to play. Right. And we wanted a veteran shortstop to help our young pitchers to provide solid defense, and we didn't have anyone else there to play except for Richie Martin, and we didn't want Richie Martin to play. This year, Richie Martin, who was the only guy who was close to being a major league shortstop on our roster, spent the whole year hurt and didn't play last year. And so we still don't have a shortstop. We still don't know if Richie Martin's a major league shortstop. Um, there's no one M- – Mason McCoy is the next closest one, but he's not ready to play in the major leagues. And so we still have the same void, the same need. So if, if Michael Elias would have cut Jose Iglesias, he would have – when we still have the same exact need where we brought him in, it would be, be Michael Elias either saying, oops, I made a mistake, and I should have never signed Iglesias, which wouldn't really make sense. Like he changed his mind. Well, and, and the, or the other option would be like there's someone ready to a young player ready to take Iglesias' spot, and that's just right. not the case. And so it, it would be totally just philosophically inconsistent for Michael Elias to sign him last year, have the same need, and then cut up. So that's why I thought I, I didn't understand why people were even questioning it. And Michael Elias, I don't think for one day thought, oh, I'm not going to sign him. I don't think that even crossed his mind.
2: Yeah, and it's, that's the whole reason he has that option in, in his contract. It's, not, it's completely for the Orioles' plan in this way. Right. Like,
1: like oh, yeah. if, if Richie Martin was great last year, and then you say, oh, you know what? We don't want to pay you $3.5 because Richie Martin was so good last year, and he's going to be the everyday shortstop of the future. But no, Richie Martin was hurt the whole season. And so Iglesias, we still don't know who our shortstop is. Play for one more year so Richie Martin can be the starting shortstop at Norfolk and we can find out how good he is and maybe bring him up in utility spot or whatever to make this transition better. Yeah. Yeah, totally.
2: Um, Speaking of next year, it was nice this week to see Trey Mancini in the batting cage and Trey Mancini talking about being ready for
1: spring training. He's ready to go. That's exciting. That's That's really great news. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Personal news and great Orioles news. Yeah, it's just it's good,
2: positive, something positive to see this week. And then yeah, it's great because the Orioles are going to be a better team with Trey Mancini on the field.
1: Absolutely, it's the first good thing to happen in twenty (laughs) twenty. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's been a a rough
2: year. Yeah, yeah, it hits high hopes for twenty twenty one.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's that's great to see. And and now you start to you start to see the team coming together. I mean, I, I I'm I'm salivating at our offense next year that includes a Trey Mancini and a, and a Ryan Castle and a healthy Austin Hayes. Like I'm excited about our offense. I think it's going to be exciting. Um, I don't know how many young players will come up and contribute. I hope at some point we see the great Adley Rutschman to even make our team even better offensively. But yeah, I think our offense is going to be great. And I think it's going to be a matter of our pitching and how much, how, how much our young pitchers step up. And if Michael Elias, goes up there and signs any pitching, I think it's going to kind of uh, have a big factor. But I think, I think our offense is going to be good. Yeah,
2: I think so. I am, I'm with you there, and I think our pitching will make the next step. Are you excited for A.J. Grafino and Greg Cullen?
1: I have never heard those names before in my life.
2: <laughs> those are the two guys that we got this week from the Braves trade. When we traded Tommy Malone to the Braves, we got two infielders, A.J. Graffino And Greg Cullen. Graffinino was chosen by the Braves in the eighth round of 2018. uh, First-year player draft. He came from the University of Washington. And he rose to number 23 among the Braves prospects. He's number 30 for us. Okay. And then Collins was chosen in the 15th round in 2018 from Niagara University. He's a second baseman slash shortstop. And I don't think he's ranked anywhere on our
1: charts. You know, I was a little surprised with those moves because if you look at this age, I know Gra- Graf and Eno is twenty three. I think the other guy's in his early twenties as well. Yeah, they're a little older. Yeah, it's not these. I think when we first heard the deal, we thought, oh, this is the um the Kashners, sixteen year old um, right. players. But 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 no, the the, the these are um twenty three year olds at single A level. Yeah. So older guys playing at lower levels.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's nothing to nothing exciting.
1: Yeah. But it's, it was Malone.
2: <laughs> but exactly. exactly.
1: But I, I also wonder if Michael Elias, because I wonder if he looks at it as kind of being in his department, right? Is very data driven, and I wonder if he likes these older guys because he has college stats on him, he has minor my, league my, my, my stats on him, like he has just more to go with when making this trade because they're a little bit older and you've seen he's seen them play baseball longer, even I if like, it's not at a higher level. Yeah, I like.
2: Signing college players because of that because I feel like there's a big step that you take at college That you can see more if they're major league ready where when you sign the younger guys You're waiting to see that step in your minor leagues I think the college guys can compress can normally progress through your minors a little faster Which does leave me concerned that they were drafted in 2018 and they're only at single A. that does not bode well for the players
1: yeah. I mean, and and I don't, I mean, it's, it's complicated, right? Cause did they have an injury issue? Um, did, did something happen? I mean, and they all, they lost all of last year. Right. So like the single a, they could have been in double a last year, just double a didn't happen and that would make them ready for triple a this year, you know? Yeah, I got it. So I think that the loss of year makes everyone think kind of look a little bit wonky. I mean, if you look at Asley Rushman, Right, his, his highest is single A, but, but you wouldn't call Adley Rushman a single A player. You're right. I didn't think about the weirdness of
2: 2020. Yeah. All right, you win.
1: I mean, we have a bunch of guys yeah, from last year, like Kerstad and Westberg and these guys, who have, have still never played any professional baseball, which is kind of weird. Right, right.
2: Yeah, and I think we thought very positive of that buoy, that buoy time for for the season. So maybe yeah, I don't know what the other clubs were doing, but I'm sure they were doing something similar with focused trainings, and not just kids sitting at home playing video games for a year.
1: Yeah, not not doing what I was doing, um, but the the Orioles now are in an interesting position, where and this is setting up because I guess the. Winter meetings, which take place next month, will all be done virtually, is my understanding, right? Zoom oh, I calls. Didn't, I didn't know. It's all Zoom calls? I think so, yeah. Oh, that's – okay. That's weird. That's that's my understanding, anyway. I read that somewhere. But the Orioles going to have some interesting decisions to make because for the first time, I mean, Michael has been here for a couple years. He's been – you have these young players progressing through the system. We've talked in the past – Going back to two, to two years ago, about how the minor league, uh, the, the minor league teams, with the addition of kind of the analytics, have performed a lot better as they progress to the minors. When now we're getting to the point that this year, next year, the year after, but but this year is when it starts, where we have some tough decisions to make on prospects. Where before, we <laughs> we never had to worry about protecting players, right? We never had to worry about protecting. Uh, fit, 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 fitting the only protecting five guys because we didn't have any enough room on our roster. I mean, we always had plenty of room to even go in the roll five and, and take more guys. But this year, we have right now we have thirty-five men on our forty-man roster, and there's legitimately eight players who we could put on our forty-man. So we have five spots left, eight players that could fit there. And that's not including if we wanted to go back in the Rule 5 draft and make any moves in the Rule 5 draft or make any move in free agency and put anybody on a 40-man. So maybe Michael Elias is going to have some tough decisions with these prospects that are ready to go on the 40-man that that are no longer protected, um, or other teams um, may swoop up one of these Orioles prospects. So it's a good problem to have. It's a problem other teams have every year, and we haven't had this problem in a while. And so it's a good problem to have, but it's going to be interesting to see who Michael Lye chooses to pre- protect, uh, who he leaves open, and if the 40-man roster is full or if he leaves the spot open to do something in the Rule 5 draft. Uh, it's going to be all interesting to watch over the next couple weeks.
2: Yeah, it is. And it's something, like you said, that we've never had to deal with. And I think there are going to be some people that we have learned to uh, – at least hope for and names. It's gonna, you know, it's gonna be names we recognize that some other teams might take, and we've never been at a place where our players are good enough that someone else to take them. We've never had to worry about it.
1: So you're right. Yeah, even last year when we added Ryan McKenna, I was like, oh, no one's gonna take Ryan McKenna, um, and so it was almost like we were protecting players who I knew we would even like no one even take. Right, and we've already added some guys like last year, like Dean Kramer and Ryan Mountcastle. So those guys are already protected. Uh, But we'll see. I mean, there's the Zach Lothar, the Alex Wells, the using Diaz's, the Michael Bauman's, the Mason McCoy's. I mean, there's a good list of guys. Um, And the world's going to have to make some tough decisions about those guys. Zach pop is another one. So, and I'm, I'm really curious to see um, how much we value our own guys as opposed to valuing other players. Yeah. Um,
2: I agree. Speaking of young players, did you see this kid, Luis Sanchez, down at the Dominican Summer League? Well, I guess he was in, he the Dominican got canceled, so he was at Orioles instructional camp.
1: No, I know nothing about him. <laughs> All right. He is a
2: pitcher. He is seventeen years old, and the Orioles are excited about him because he's seventeen years old, thrown in the in the mid nineties. Mm. Fat, he's got a 95, 96 mile per hour fastball at 17 years old. That's so pretty excited.
1: Yeah, that's exciting.
2: Yeah, it's something, something to build on.
1: I mean, the other guy who we were excited about, though, you got to be watch out for that, Carter Ballmer or Ballmer, um, 18 years old, the guy we drafted, paid him over slot. Um, he just had, I think, it was a Tommy John or an arm injury that's going to put him out for the whole year. So. Um, You got to be careful with those hard-thrown high schoolers.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Well, I mean, we just got to wait and see. Yeah. So um, the other news I saw this week with the Orioles is that the MLB approved for John Angelos to now be the acting director or whatever of the Orioles person in charge instead of taking over from his father, Peter Angelos. You know, this is about the time of the year that every year we get the articles of MLB is concerned because they don't know who's running the team. You know, that yearly email with MLB doesn't like the Orioles. And so when they approved uh, John Angelos to now be in charge of the team instead of Peter Angelos, what type of uh, stories do you think popped up on the internet?
1: I mean, outside of John selling the team and moving to Nashville, outside of that? (laughs) Exactly. No, it was more of that.
2: It was more of, oh, well, this is just setting up. And you know what it was? It was tax break stories that if Peter Angelo sold the team now, he would get hit with a lot of taxes. But when he passes away soon and the team becomes uh, passed down to his sons, they then have tax incentives to sell it. So get ready, Nashville, because here comes your baseball team.
1: Mm, For the tax write-offs. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. So, what's it going to take for these Nashville stories to go away? Will ex- we'll signing the extension for Camden Yard stop the stories that the Orioles are leaving?
1: Or, like, give Nashville an expansion team if you really want Nashville to have a team. Why is it always Nashville?
2: Uh, well, for one, I Nashville, what, what TV market would Nashville be? Would that be the Orioles or would that be the Braves?
1: I would assume the Braves, but I don't, I don't know for a fact.
2: Yeah, it's got to be the Braves. I don't know where that line is. I know Because I know the Orioles go down to North Carolina. We do, yeah. So, like, Raleigh would be hurt the Orioles. It must be the Braves market that that would affect.
1: Hey, uh, Josh, the, I don't know if you've had a chance to look at the top free agents that, that this offseason. Have you had a chance to look at it? Like, is there a guy that you like outside of Trevor Bauer? Is there a guy that you like on the, like, the top 50 free agents that intrigues you at all? Or have oh. you had a chance to look at it at all?
2: Well, I've made it clear that I uh that it's uh Trevor Bauer that I want in the rotation. Um well let's see.
1: I mean uh, I mean the problem is if you're looking at I know you you think we need a starting pitcher and that is like the hole in our roster right now would be maybe a veteran starting pitcher, but the options are outside of Trevor Bauer are slim. I mean you got Rick Parcello there. You also got guys like um Adam Wainwright and Drew Smiley. The problem, and that's it's, the problem, is like Stroman. Stroman would be an interesting one. Yeah. Also, your boy. There is some former Orioles on this list, like Jake Arrieta. Uh, Jake Arrieta. I would laugh so hard if you were <laughs> laugh
2: Jake Arrieta. The problem is, like, I mean, I'm not like Justin Turner's intriguing. But, again, that's a third baseman, and that's because that's a weakness. There's a lot of outfielders that are free agents that I like,
1: but we're packed
2: in the outfield. Yeah,
1: we're not, yeah there's no outfielders here. So, right. So I don't need an
2: outfielder. And I really – I don't need a catcher. I don't need a first baseman. I'm not too concerned at even second or short. So you're leaving me with pitchers.
1: And uh, – I don't know. The only other position you can argue with third base, but that gets crowded too. But you would have to move Ruiz or Alberto if you went the third base route, but that could be another. But but you're outside of that. You're looking at pitching.
2: Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. Third base is intriguing, but it's really pitching. And it goes back to what I was telling Ryan last week. I really want that veteran pitcher instated now uh, to bring into Baltimore and say, Hey, I, you're signing for three, four, five years. You're going to help this young staff get a World Series. And you're going to be the ace and put that on your. So I feel like that's what we. I, I, we've, we've done this story before. We've, we've told Ubaldo Jimenez this story. Oh, and Alex we, Cobb, too. Told Alex Cobb, yeah. this story. I like this story. I believe it has the potential to work this time. So I will continue to try this story because I don't think there's, I think that's the only way you sell the Orioles to one of these veterans that you can count on. So I would love to see, I know Bauer says he's only signing one year deals. I love Bauer, but a one year deal isn't gonna work for me. I need at least three years. So maybe Stroman's the answer, but I don't see Stroman coming to Baltimore either. So I'm not sure. How about you? Anyone stand out?
1: You know, nor- normally I would say, like, of course, there's guys you, you want to target, but um, and I heard I heard, you know, last week Ryan talk about Chris Archer, which is another name. Um, and those and those, I mean, those guys kind of make sense. They're veteran pitchers um in their early thirties. Right. Um, they've both pitched in the AL East. So I get why you like them. they I mean, they're they're not Josh when you talk about it, you're, you, you're kind of talking about like a, a guy you can build your rotation around, right? A one, and, or, one, or, a one or two starter. Yes, that's um, what I'm... A top yeah. rotation starter. That's not Stroman or Archer, I think, at this point in their yeah, careers,
2: Yeah, are probably threes, three, four middle-year rotation.
1: Yeah, I think Stroman's a little bit better than Archer, personally. But, but, I mean, certainly both those guys would be better than what we have. I mean, last year, Josh, as you recall... We went the, the Tommy Malone route and the Wade LeBlanc route, which are yeah, signing guys to the veteran minimum pretty, pretty much with minor league yeah. major oh. options. Um, I, guys, th- those are guys who are
2: placeholders, which are here, sign here, cheap, rebuild your career, and we'll trade you to a good team. Right. I don't want that. I want someone who you're sold on, come to Baltimore and build this team. Make, this is your team. This is your rotation. We're going to put you up. Your face is going to be on the banners on the warehouse. Your jerseys are going to be given away at the, at the T-shirt games. We're, we're celebrating you. That's what I want from this pitcher.
1: Yeah, I guess another guy that kind of excites me, and again, like I don't think there's any aces out. I mean, there's just I – mean, first of all, there's just not a lot of options. There's, I mean, that's not Trevor Bauer. But another guy I like is um, Jacob Odorizzi, another guy – who, you know, has some really good years with Tampa Bay in the past, in the past several years with the Twins. Like, Joko Odorizzi is, is the guy that I think we could um, afford. You're not going to break the bank for him. And I, I think that that could be likely. Um, but, Josh, I also wonder, while you're still paying Knox Cop for a year, you're still paying Chris Davis for a couple years. Well, Chris Davis for, like, the next 20 years. Um, but a lot less after the next couple of years. Do you think the Orioles are waiting to maybe get some of this money off the books before they make a big free agent signing? Cause I think at some point they're going to sign someone yeah. on A multi ideal, a multi-year yeah. deal for a good amount of money. But I wonder if they're waiting to get some of these guys off the books first. I don't think that matters because you can always do a back
2: end deal. We're here. We're going to sign you for 40 million. You're going to make five, five and then 30. I mean, you can do it, you can you can manipulate the books to make it work in your favor. Plus, Chris Davis coming off the book is really you're still gonna pay him for another twenty years or whatever. And when there's no salary cap that you gotta deal with, and when you saved money last year, when you look at as much as teams every team was hit in twenty twenty with revenue loss, the Orioles were probably hit the least out of any baseball team. It probably affected them the least amount. So I'm not too concerned. Um,
1: I wonder if you can do, just talking about deals real quick. I wonder why you don't see this more where the Orioles have a lot of young players. Their salary, overall salary is really low at this point. I wonder why you don't see more of like a five-year deal, but then like you start at $30 million and then you go down to 25 and then 20 and then 15. So their salary actually gets lower as you start having to pay all these young players during arbitration. Um, Like for the Orioles, it makes sense to pay a guy more now and less in the future, but you never really see those, ki- those ki- kinds of deals.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it makes sense, and it goes back to that whole conversation of the structure of sports and money and all starting to shift a little bit, so it'll be interesting.
1: Hey, by the way, just uh, they crowdsource, and on Fangraphs, they crowdsource Marcus Stroman, and yeah. he is, in, according to crowdsourcing, he'll get four years Sixty-four mi- million dollars. Um, that's quite a commitment to a pitcher, four years, sixty-four mi- million dollars. Um, you think the Orioles will be willing to make that sort of c- commitment on a guy like Stroman? That's going to be your two or three. He's not going to be your number one. You think we would no, spend four years, sixty-four million dollars on? Him? No, I don't.
2: I don't like that deal.
1: Ah, here's the problem.
2: That deal sounds wrong. But you started the episode by telling me Kevin Gausman's getting nineteen million. Yeah. For one year.
1: So he might reject it and try to get more. Who knows?
2: Right. So Stroman's cheaper. So maybe, but four years is a long commitment, but that is what I want. Um, I'd have to look at Stroman's numbers a little bit more.
1: It reminds me a lot of like 29 years old, right? He's a young guy. He's 30. It it reminds me a lot of the Oskob, the Oskob pitching in the AL East has some success. Um, Oskob was Four years and 60 million, I think. And this is four years and 64 million. So almost like an identical deal to what um, Oz Cobb got, and which really has not worked out. Um, But maybe Strowman will.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't, you know what? If the Orioles spent money like that, I'd be perfectly
1: happy. Yeah. Uh, I I also wonder in this weird year if more players will take one year deals and if that'll lead to next year being a better free agent market, which probably be better for the Orioles too, because you could not spend money this year. And when you're a year closer, then make the big splash with the free agent pitcher.
2: Yeah, I don't know. They're going to have to do a free agent pitcher either this year or next year. I would like it to be this year because of my philosophy of build the team around it. If you do it next year, you, instead of saying, Hey, we're building around you. You're saying, Hey, come here. Look at all these parts we have. We're competitive.
1: Yeah, but it, I, I just don't know if that right guy's there, and I'd rather wait for the right guy than make a stretch just because you want to get that piece, and it's yeah. not the right piece, and now you're stuck with them for the next four or five years. Yeah. Is uh, Tanaka a fit for the Orioles? I, you see, I'm not a Tanaka guy. I feel like he's always on the verge of getting hurt or, like, always a little bit hurt. Right. Um, and, and so I would,
2: so I that's not, that kind of goes against what I want to see.
1: Yeah, like, yeah, he would make me too nervous as far as the risk factor there um, with him. I don't know. We'll, I mean, we'll see.
2: Um, it'll be interesting next month when the meetings come, if any trades actually get done and how they even do that all virtually. Because if you're, the whole reason, like these trades and stuff, like you, everything about the winter meetings is supposed to be like informal conversations at the bar and stuff. Yeah. And you can't. Informal conversations over Zoom.
1: Yeah, you ever try to work. do one of those happy hour zooms, those are disastrous. But, <laughs> right. But the the other thing is, Josh, if you look at their free agents list, there's just a ton of kind of average pitchers. Like if you're looking for an average pitcher, um, even even if you throw like a Chris Archer in there, maybe he's a little bit better than average, but your your Tyson Ross, your Dan you your Felix Hernandez your Ivan um, Nova's yeah. Uh, yeah. there's just an endless amount. The Jake Goderizzi's, the Gio Gonzalez's there's an endless amount of like average pitchers. And so I think what's most likely to happen is that we'll pick up a Gio Gonzalez type. Hopefully not right. him so, actually a, a two year deal. Yeah. On a one year or maybe two year deal one or something. Yeah. As you wait to see what happens with some of your young pitchers, because what we don't know, we have a lot. I mean, Zach Lothar's a starting pitcher. Michael Ballman's a starting pitcher. I mean, we know about D.L. Hall, Grayson Rodriguez. Uh, Dean Kramer, I think the jury's still a little bit out on him. Uh, uh, Keegan Aiken, I mean, it could be very possible that the guys in our minor league system are just as good, if not better, than a Gio Gonzalez, right? Sure. But, But if you like
2: any of these guys, like Stroman or Bauer or something, if you like these guys, this could be the year to get a good deal on them because other teams aren't handing out as much money.
1: Yeah, I mean and we have a spot in a rotation for him, that's for sure. Right. We got a spot
2: and we could give you a multi-year deal where other teams might be hesitant to do more than a one year deal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. It'd be interesting to see how Michael Elias approaches it. Um, but I think you would have to really like the player to do that. And I just don't know if there's yeah. someone that Michael Elias sees that he says, Oh, my analytics can help this guy, and I think I can uh really work with him. Um I think the ultimate would be if yeah, Jake Arrieta would be a good when to come back, or Kevin Gossman rejects the qualified offer, and we sign him. I think that'd be awesome too. But hold on, if he
2: rejects the qualified, what's he going to come back to Baltimore for three years? What, fifteen million a
1: year? You give him forty-five million? Guaranteed? May, no, I mean it might be a four-year and forty-five million dollars. So maybe I'll choose longevity over a one-year deal. A four-year deal. A four-year deal for maybe like forty-five or fifty million dollars. Right. I mean, if he turns down, he's not going to get more than $19 million a year. No. So, so he, he'll be wanting a
2: long-term deal. four years. Yeah. You don't want to – yeah. He did have a career high on strikeouts last year. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, you know,
2: and he, yeah, so. at
1: 50 innings. Yeah, good for him. And in the National League. Well, I, I mean, and Kevin Gall – and the reason he got $19 million is the reason that he was a first-round draft pick and one of our top prospects for all oh, so many years – The kid throws in the mid nineties. Like, there's not many people who can do that as a starter. He's got great stuff. He always had great stuff, and that's why he's getting paid for stuff
2: still. All right. Well, if you're bringing get back goals, man, can I bring back scope? Yeah. Stick him in.
1: Can I take him too? Hey, listen. I would. I don't. I don't know how much better he makes our team, but for nostalgic purposes, I would love to have scope again. Though it'd be a little sad. That's like. But having
2: him without Manny? Yeah, having
1: him without Manny a little bit sad. He was like kind of the, you know, the partner of Machado. And it's like you're bringing back Robin, and it makes you miss Batman. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's like you had two sides when they, a couple divorces. Yeah, and then <laughs> like,
1: you're still trying to be friends with the one side, but you really don't like the one side.
2: Right, exactly. Or at least you got to, right, you can be friends with both, but when one's around, you got to pretend like you don't like
1: the other. Yeah, absolutely. And I can't pretend like I don't like Manny. Yeah, it's really hard
2: to not like Manny. Yeah. Though sometimes Manny makes it easy to not like Manny.
1: Yeah. What are you talking about? The tattoo or about his hair? Uh, what was the, What did he do at the end of this season? Oh, he he, I he got into it with some players.
2: It, yeah. Yeah, he got into it with a pitcher or something. Yeah. Yeah, stuff like that. And then uh, he did something else. I forget. That's just Manny being
1: Manny. Manny being Manny. Didn't run hard enough to first base for you? Was was, was that it? Right. Anything else to cover this week? Are we good? No, we're good. Um,
2: Lots of sports news. Oh, the Angelos welcome Biden and congratulate Biden. As politics and sports continue to blend,
1: you think that's appropriate, Josh, for the words put that statement? I don't. I want. I
2: think sports are a or should not have any place in politics. I go to
1: sports to be away from politics. So if if a distraction. What I wonder, so, Josh, if my candidate w- w- would have won and would they have said, um, Congratulations to Kanye West for the presidency? They
2: would, they would not have congratulated Kanye. They would have not congratulated JoJo. They would have not congratulated Trump.
1: There's only a special Biden message. Do you think? This was a spe- I believe this was a special Biden message. Yeah. So you're kind of reading between the lines here a little bit that it wasn't just congratulations for winning, it was congratulations yeah. for winning and being you.
2: I think it's a remember that woke culture we talked about earlier yeah. that you're getting ready for?
1: yeah
2: you you, stay, you you better hop on Twitter and congratulate Biden soon, so I don't get canceled, yeah, so, yeah, so you don't get canceled and have to hire me to build a studio in your basement, yeah if you get canceled.
1: yeah I get a trip back home in December for that, nice, you see there are benefits of woke culture, Josh. <laughs>
2: No, you get canceled. Right. If you're doing something and you get canceled, if you have a uh, TV or a radio show, you get canceled, call me up. I'll help you out. Yeah. We'll do this internet thing.
1: Yeah. Josh reclamates canceled careers by building yeah. podcasts in their basements, podcast studios right. in their basements. I'll
2: you a TV slash podcast radio studio in your basement if you lose your job in media.
1: There, there you go. That's a very specific cancel culture <laughs> item that Josh has you covered for. Right. Specific enough without naming the
2: person or where they got canned from. So we can move on. Uh, Are you trying not to name the person? I don't know. Uh, Uh, No, I think I can. I think I can say it was all over Twitter. Yeah. So, yeah, Chad Dukes got fired from uh, 106.7 DC radio. So I'm going to be coming up and sometime in December to help him build a studio at home uh, because that's what you do when you get canceled you move and do the move to the internet and become more competition for us.
1: Yeah, where they can't 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 cancel you because you can cancel us. You can try. The worst you can do is give us a one star review, which you coconuts would never do because we love you guys. Right. I mean,
2: you can still. We did have conversations because you can still be kicked off YouTube and Twitter and stuff like that. But no one can kick us off of Section336.com. That's
1: <laughs> that's right. Or. Or, or off of um, <laughs> the par parlor
2: is wherever you come with parlor. Could you? Isn't that the one that everyone's pushing now? Saying, follow me on parlor. I'm, oh, is that
1: the Facebook alternative? That's the Twitter alternative. Oh, the Twitter alternative. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jack Dorsey uh, might be on that, right? Because he's all about that. What I thought he's Twitter. Yeah, but he hates what Twitter has become, so he's he's ready to jump ship. I think.
2: Oh really? Yeah, yeah. He should- because I downloaded their app and it sucks and I deleted it right away because it's, who cares if I'm being moderated if the, the app sucks
1: yeah, no, I, I was I was, I was making the joke that, or like ble- Bleacher Birds will always have Section 336 because <laughs> BleacherBirds.com, you, you stole their website oh yeah, yeah, that's true, I gave
2: it back to okay, them now you gave, them. gave it back to them Yeah, BleacherBirds.com now points to Bleacher Birds all right Yes, you can always find us at section336.com. No need to cancel us.
1: Okay. We did so good, Josh, with the election and not talking any politics. So you had to sneak it in there at the end. What did I talk about politics? What well, with the John Angelos and, and mixing sports and politics? No, I didn't mix sports and politics. The Orioles mixed sports and politics. I think you do doing the mixing of sports and politics more than the I, Orioles I- are.
2: No, I don't think I've tweeted anything in like a week because of sports and politics and staying away from sports yeah, and politics. But
1: you talk, but but Josh, you talking about the Orioles mixing sports and politics is you in we, fact mixing sports and politics by you bringing that up. We are
2: Orioles talk. It is. It is November. There's not a whole lot of Orioles talk. So when the Orioles release a press release to congratulate Joe Biden, it's not like they just put a a "we did it" thing on Twitter. They put like a big
1: thing. Did you not? You didn't see it? I saw it. No, I, I saw it and I read it, and I wasn't going to yeah. say anything about it because I didn't want to mix, mix sports and politics like 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 you did. <laughs>
2: It's not, I didn't mix it. The Orioles decided that they needed to get involved. And I, what you know what I didn't do, I should have done it, is look at the replies because when sports and politics get mixed,
1: get the your popcorn
2: ready. Awesome. Yeah. Get your yes. popcorn ready.
1: No, but yeah. the Orioles. This is in uh, in keeping with John Angelos, I think, and Peter Angelos, where where they are trying to be not just sports but social activism. And I think yes. I think this is something that's important to them. And, and okay. You know what?
2: And you know what's very you know where woke culture is very big. Where? Nashville.
1: You got to feel. got to keep that door open. Okay, okay, okay. So I'm sure a lot of Nashville people are like the direction of Johnny English is going. Exactly, exactly. Right. got to think about the future. Has the music been playing this whole time? Yeah. Okay, good. You can follow us on uh, iTunes and Twitter and Facebook. Leave us a review on iTunes. Five stars. Don't cancel us. Yeah, don't cancel us. Give us five-star reviews, you coconuts. Uh, Thanks for listening, boys and girls. You can follow us on Twitter. At Section 336 is my handle. And you can follow Josh for all his political tweets. At Josh Soroka. Thanks for listening, boys and girls. And as always, go Ravens. Thank you for listening to the Section 336 podcast. Please go to iTunes and Facebook for all complaints or the occasional compliment. If I were you, I would not take any baseball advice from these guys. Josh and Matt were raised by an Orioles-obsessed father, and Bert, uh, well, Bert fell in love with Don Mattingly. He has a thing for mustaches.